0: And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and
1: digital content news. This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 258, This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, February 11th, 2021 and with me as always my good friend my colleague and a guy who definitely doesn't gorilla glue his hair down Mr Joe Pulitzi.
0: I don't get the reference <laughs> what
1: no? did I miss something you haven't seen this no. you haven't seen this 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 viral video that's going no, around no
0: what did i miss
1: so so there was a a, a young woman who uh, instead of using hairspray to make her hair go flat on her head Uh, used Gorilla Glue spray. No way. Apparently. Um, And so Gorilla Glued her hair down, made a viral video, basically went out and did a video that said, hey, I just Gorilla Glued my hair down and I'm panicking and blah, blah, blah. The video goes viral. And now, and maybe this is because I live in Los Angeles, a Los Angeles plastic surgeon came forward and said, I'll take care of you. And she went yesterday and got some treatment that he had tested on uh, on on gorilla glue, I guess, and it worked. And so she's now doing okay. So <laughs> this is this is where we this come. Is to. A, this is it. This is yeah. This yeah. is the entertainment of our lives. This right is now. yeah. This is the entertainment right now for us is watching Patrick Mahomes run for his life and people getting. Gorilla yeah, glue I mean, if I if
0: I put gorilla glue on my head, there would just be gorilla glue. There would hey, be. I, I mean, guess. I've got no hair on the top of my head, so <laughs> right, exactly. But let's let's not talk about you, Robert. Let's talk about me and <laughs> my prediction
1: from last Your week. Your prediction, that, yeah, blah, oh, blah blah blah. Like nobody cares about that. Right nobody, nobody really does. Nobody cares. Re, you are the one person who cares about this. And yes. it happened
0: in the but, first half. I called Gronk's two touchdown catches, which happened. Yes. I said the bucks. Well, you said the bucks were going to win, too. So we, we were in agreement on that.
1: That's correct. But yeah,
0: I thought that Gronk would get the MVP. Of course, they had to give it to,
1: to Little Tom,
0: who's the GOAT.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, you know, from a game perspective, I thought the Chiefs would have put up more of a fight. I really did. I, the fact that they didn't uh, really adjust at all. Is very surprising to me. Well, you know I, you they know. had
0: hum, I mean, they had a lot of injuries on that offensive line. But you remember in the longest yard when they just let the line just let everyone through and they pummeled the quarterback. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Twenty plays. It was kind
1: of like that. Yeah, it was kind of like that. I was yeah. like, had,
0: he had no. And the thing, and the other thing is, as a you know, we're both football connoisseurs. He needed to step up in the pocket sometimes instead of running for his life in the back, there were a couple times he could have stepped up and he didn't.
1: Well, that was the key, right? I mean, so, you know, you know, forgive the geekiness folks of this uh, football analysis, but the the, the Bucks did two things that were just really critical in their defense. One was they clearly watched him on film and saw that what he likes to do is go to his left and, Basically, run around on the outside and either run or throw flip on the run. Yeah, do a flip right? pass. Or that, that's what he does. like. Yeah. And they just took away. They just took away the sidelines. They just they just took it away, right? They just they just said, "Look, we're going to depend on." You know, they basically dared them to run up the middle, which they, anytime they did it, they did really I well. i they surprised they, they sort of gave up on the run quickly. They just get. I mean, that not sort of gave up on they it. They just like stopped doing it full full on and and. And then when they got behind, it was sort of too late at that point that they couldn't do it. And then the second thing that really surprised me was they clearly, and the Chiefs have been doing this pretty much all year, but they clearly sort of went in with the idea of, hey, we're going to be sticky or handsy a little bit with our coverage, our pass coverage. And, you know, sometimes the refs call it and sometimes they don't. You know, there's sometimes they let them play and sometimes they don't. And this time they didn't. They were, they were calling that, you know, and so – and they didn't adjust. They didn't like, you know, hey, you know what? You know, we're going to try and ruin Brady's timing and, and be, you know, pushy and handsy with our coverage. And, you know, they got called on it multiple times. And and you can get frustrated if you like, yeah. and you can say some of the calls were a little over the yeah, top. Yeah, the, their penalties, you adjust. especially in the you first half. You have to adjust.
0: They, they needed to let some of those go. But the thing that I don't get – and I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but – the People that say he's not the goat, come on, like oh my god, I don't
1: know how you I don't know how you I, make I any still argument see, otherwise you see at this on point. social media that people are still
0: saying, well, he had so much talent and the coaching and whatever. I don't care, you know, you win seven out of ten Super Bowls. you win more Super Bowls than any other team, I mean, come on you that's pretty special and forty three years old, shout out oh, to Gen yeah. X,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear about something. The, the Buccaneers in 2019 were 7-9 and, and didn't make the playoffs. That's it. Same basic team. You add Tom Brady, you add Gronkowski and a couple of other players, and now all of a sudden they're whatever they were, 11-5, and five, and— Win the Super Bowl. What'd you What'd so, you think
0: of the uh, the halftime spectacular
1: with the weekend? I did not think it was either spectacular nor really special.
0: Well, you and I talked I, about this. I didn't realize that you're so you're from Hollywood. You know this stuff. I didn't realize that not only do they not get money for performing at the halftime show, they generally uh, put money in. Like we can put an yeah. extra seven million dollars yeah. in for production costs.
1: That's right, and I. I did. It's why a lot of it's why a lot of big stars don't do the Super Bowl because they don't see the value in it of spending that much money to, because you have to spend that much money. You have to spend, you know, unless you're just going to get up on a stage and sing, um, you know, with a guitar. You know, if you're going to have all the dancers and a maze and people wearing underwear on their heads, then you really have to. Uh, you have to put the money into, I mean, underwear it, budget alone. I wonder, is, it's
0: got to be worth it. I mean, the next day, the weekend had eight of the top 10 songs on Spotify.
1: Yeah. You've gotta I, you know, think you it got to, it fi- it's hey, look, it's content marketing. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? It is, it is purely, you know, getting yourself out there on the biggest stage television wise in the, on the planet. And, and, you know, and, and, demonstrating why you know people should buy your record it's a you know it's 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 big i just didn't think it was i didn't mind the show
0: i mean even with the you know whatever they had on their their heads and the red coats and whatever but (laughs) i i was disturbed because it was very hard to hear him and you know how when you go to a concert and sometimes like if you're recording something and, and you you don't get the direct feed so you you're basically picking the sound up from the speakers in the stadium. That's what they were doing. That's what it sounded yes. like, right? You weren't getting the direct yes. feed, which I'm assuming they should have. And so it sounded echoey and it was very hard to hear him, what was going on. And I just don't understand that whole part.
1: It's, you know, knowing a little bit about this and I only know a little bit about it. What I, what I understand to be difficult is when, so some of it is live and some of it is pre recorded, right? In other words... A lot of the things that they do when they do a Super Bowl halftime show like that is lip-synced and is pre-recorded. Um, and especially when there's going to be a set piece involved, because the timing has to be so exact. And because of the sound, uh, that they, the way they have to mix the sound. And then there's some of it that's live, right? Where there's literally either a pre-recorded track that he's singing live to or in some cases you know not necessarily with him a band that's playing and switching between those two can be very difficult um as I understand it and so they they have to yeah and 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 so you make they make choices and it's just yeah. it is going to be what it's going to be so it's it wasn't I, I didn't like it I didn't like it that much well
0: we might as well just move right into our first story which is continuing well, on with the Super Bowl right?
1: It is, and and of course, the reason that most people on the planet, other than geeks like you and I, watch the Super Bowl is for the ads, Um, and this year, the story we'll link to, this is going to be our take on them, of course, um, but we'll link to a story which, of course, comes from Marketing Dive, um, which is the best and worst Super Bowl ads, Um, and as they said, advertisers strained to deliver a message with mass appeal or even to entertain with a few notable exceptions on what's to be their biggest night. Um, and then they go on to sort of give their impressions of the winners and losers of the uh, of the Super Bowl ads. So, Joe Polizzi, mm-hmm. what worked for you and what didn't work for you? What did, okay. what did you think really won and what did you think really sucked? Well,
0: I, the first thing is when you said that that line, advertisers strain to deliver a message with mass appeal or to even entertain. You could use that almost every year. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost, most of, of these companies miss the mark entirely. The two that I wanted to talk to was, first of all, I don't know what everyone else was looking at. That Alexa one was by far the best one with Michael B. Absolutely
1: Jordan. agreed. 100% agreed. I
0: mean, my wife, I, I, mean, I probably shouldn't even say this, but she was salivating during that Commercial. She's. I mean, I'm like, oh, they got this target. If their target he's, audience,
1: yeah, <laughs> he's an unfairly handsome man. There is definitely like, come on, yeah, yeah. And of course, unfair. And of course, yeah.
0: while that was right after that, I took my shirt off, and I'm like, well, I'm, and it just didn't work. It didn't play like Michael B. Jordan. You
1: don't. You don't have a stomach like I Michael did, B. Jordan. I don't have anything. No. <laughs> I have, I have nothing.
0: Um. I, so yeah. so that I have a one pack. A, a one pack. Do you have so that? One. <laughs> Let's just skip. In yeah. this case I don't want to talk about me. But the one that I the winning ad of all of them is Reddit in my opinion. The 5 se-
1: Oh god. Okay. The 5 all second
0: right. Reddit ad that they paid whatever they paid for it and I'll I'll take a uh you know a page out of Sally Hogshead's book that she always says different is better than better. It was the different one. It was 5 seconds. And I saw more little articles talking about the Reddit ad the next day than anything else happening because they did something different, and it was nothing, right? It's nothing. It's a little message, five seconds. Yeah, everyone's. Yeah. I mean, the the per mention in that five seconds, Reddit blew everyone else out of the water. So I don't know what do okay. you. Uh,
1: you know, uh, look, uh, not Reddit. Um, <laughs> of course, and I'm, not Reddit. You're the uh, you're uh, a story. I, I'm guy. a fan of Reddit too. I I just thought it was, you know, uh, look. I, what I appreciate about the Reddit thing was they quite literally made it one PowerPoint slide. I mean, it was literally a PowerPoint yeah. slide with some text that if you didn't pause, you missed completely. But that doesn't matter. Um, I know, I know. Because People if you went back it, and everyone looked. Everyone
0: got it the second day.
1: Is it's talking right. About it? That's you're all talking yeah. about it, right? So uh,
0: I, I, I I don't want to know be honest. That... I didn't see it. I didn't. I, I totally missed it when it went by. But then I get on. And everyone's talking about it the next day. So
1: yeah. Since then, I you know I I think um, yeah for me it it, it wasn't going to convert anybody who wasn't a Reddit fan. I think what it was, if and I don't think this was their intention, um, it was to make. Redditors, you know people who read and, and go to Reddit a lot, go oh cool Reddit and and do more maybe right I, I maybe I, I I I buy that but well, they're sort of as a conversion a of too, like right? my wife like my wife my wife doesn't you know the only thing she 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 looks at Reddit only because she discovered there's a subreddit called Awe, right which is literally just cute puppies and kittens and you know little yeah. cute animals right and that's the only thing she does. And otherwise, she doesn't really understand Reddit or get Reddit or whatever. And she saw the ad and was like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. This doesn't make me want to read Reddit more. It's like, uh, uh, you know, tendies? What the hell is that, right? You know, and, you know, so they were really celebrating their whole GameStop. Yeah, right. I think, I think of, because you know, of
0: the moment and because of GameStop, they took their bow. It didn't cost them right. that that's much money to do.
1: Exactly. And that's
0: exactly yes, it. That's exactly it. It's like after this crazy two weeks. Here we are. Look at us. We just got a 6 billion dollar valuation. Yes.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yes. That's that's a good point. I like that. Yeah, that's I I I totally buy that. So for me, uh, you know, I think the winners as as you said, for me the Alexa ad with All, everything else is sort of a very, very distant second, really. We we normally don't pick the same one. I'm surprised. Yeah, I I just thought it was it was perfect. Right, it was on brand, great demand generation, great uh, use of stars and the idea of a special sort of thing. Funny, you know, just just great, just great all the way around. I, I I really loved it. I mean the fact when he's when, when he's out in the rain and he's just yeah, it's just, know it's it's just, just too it's good just, if you haven't seen it it's, it's just it's worth, yeah it's, it's worth really seeing. but if you're a guy really don't
0: good. have your if your wife hasn't seen her a significant other don't show it please
1: no right not, exactly not worth it. I also thought I thought the you know so notwithstanding his I guess uh I guess a rest on for drunk driving, uh, but I I love the Springsteen. I love the, the, the Springsteen Jeep ad I thought was awesome. Boy, that one Um, got mixed reviews, didn't it? I mean, it did get mixed reviews, but I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I, you know, in terms of the message, I really liked, you know, I, I really, I, I, I liked the tagline of a reunited, um, States. Um, I thought that was Cute and well done, and I liked that it was Springsteen delivering the message, and I thought it was on brand and 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 uh, and certainly a, a a message that a lot of people need to hear right now, so I liked it. I liked it as a brand you know sort of ad for, for I liked it I liked and, it
0: too, but a- after thinking about it, the problem that I have with it is I don't know if that's an America that resonates with all with most Americans
1: but this is why I like it i li- I like it for the attempt, right? I like it for the effort. Um, it may not be the best right now. In other words, they didn't take advantage of an existing zeitgeist. They sort of tried to create one, and to me, that's a that's a that's a step in the right direction. I, I like the let's create culture rather than follow culture, and so I, I I I dug it for that. You know, it's like so. You know, there was all that press leading up to the Super Bowl that said, oh, all these brands, you know, they're so shy right now about the you know, disunited states and, you know, the lack of unity and everybody's fighting and, you know, the whole thing that's going on right now. And that's an easy out, right? That's an easy sort of, I'm gonna sit this one out on the sidelines. And what Jeep said was, no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive right into it and we're gonna talk about it. And I even though it may have missed the mark and I don't know if it did or not, but 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 to me, even if it did miss the mark, I appreciate I appreciated the message that they took it head on. So, but how nobody asked Bruce if he'd been arrested recently for drunk driving? It's sort of, you know, it goes a little blew, bit. Like, I
0: know, but he blew 0. .02, right? Yeah, he, it he could. He put, must have had a half a beer. Yeah, I mean, oh jeez. Anyways, yeah. that that was weird. What What was your least favorite or the one that lost the opportunity?
1: Oh well, there were so many. There were, there was so many. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, the whole raining lemons thing with Bud Light seltzer and the. Yeah. The, yeah. I didn't the, like the Cheetos I, thing with like,
0: the, with Coocher and what's her name. I didn't.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't. Yeah, want yeah that, that was Oh, you mean the Cheetos the thing Cheeto. with the? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I don't yeah, want to yeah, hear yeah, him yeah. sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I like the idea behind the certain is better, right? You know, the, the which is oh, like the, Rocket the, Mortgage the Tracy
0: Morgan. Rocket yeah, yeah yeah
1: ads. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was I, I think that's a cute campaign. I don't think it was Super Bowl worthy. I don't think it's um you know. And you know, the, the <laughs> poor Robin Hood, right? The their app.
0: Well, that's the one <laughs> like, that that's the one that I thought was just bad form and they should have pulled it. They should have pulled it. There's and for those of you that don't know, I mean, Robin Hood of course <laughs> was in the news for the whole Reddit GameStop AMC fiasco. And the reason we don't know what the real reason is, but we've been told the reason that Robin hood had to put restrictions on, uh, buying and selling certain stocks specifically on, I think it was, you couldn't buy GameStop, AMC, and like a handful of others is because they just didn't have enough capital for the expanded, um, uh, margin that they, that, that that happened with all these the stock buying so they had to stop right. their customers from buying cuz they didn't have enough money and yet they run a super bowl ad I mean come that's on That's right. Just Yeah. no.
1: But Yeah, that's not it's not a, it's not in good taste to say basically we don't have enough money to 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 fund the the trading but we do have enough to run the Super yeah. I mean
0: bowl they ad. did get a 10 billion dollar infusion so they have the money now but I think it just is bad form
1: but they're yes, robin hood absolutely. nobody care
0: i mean nobody seems to care anymore it's ridiculous
1: no it's 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 interesting yeah so i think overall i i, I was unimpressed um, by the effort uh, this year probably more than most years and i know it was a weird sort of atmosphere but i thought you know with with few exception i think it was you know like that oatley commercial Uh, have you heard about this thing right the the ceo sort of singing his little guitar song and doing all that you know it's like you know i'm i guess they're leaning into that whole thing and they've made t-shirts now that say you know we hate that damn commercial or whatever it is but uh, i just you know i I thought the overall effort was i give it a c um on the on on overall but you know so was the game the game was kind of a c as well you know so well so
0: the i mean the other article was the you know the wall street journal article that says the 5.5 percent decrease in people watching what do
1: you what do you believe is this lowest audience since 2007 yeah what do you think
0: i mean is this just
1: well one it's i mean and and with all due respect to kansas city and tampa bay it's bucks and chiefs i mean so you think that had something to do with it no, of well, course, you had Brady, I mean, those Mahomes. are small markets. Those are small markets. I know,
0: but Brady Mahomes is is a great it Doesn't matchup. matter.
1: It doesn't matter. It doesn't Those are small markets, right? I mean, you look at Giants, Rams, you know, um Dallas, you look at uh you know, Boston, you know, those are big markets. Chicago theoretically, right? Those are big markets that are that are, that are going to you know, that are going to draw audiences. I I mean,
0: even Northeast Ohio and Cleveland's a bigger football market, I think, than both. That's right.
1: Absolutely. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's why the Steelers, right? You know, so, so, you know, but if you look at sort of the, the history and I think because of the game, right? I think because it wasn't going to be a crowd, wasn't going to be there. I think because of, sort of setting expectations that this is all about COVID and blah, blah, blah. I think people expected sort of a mediocre game. It then ended up being a mediocre game. It would not, it would not surprise me at all to say, to hear that the, it was the second half of football that sort of lost all their, uh, that they lost all their audience in the second half. I don't know that, but it wouldn't surprise me to hear that because I would guess that they had a pretty good size audience going in and then lost it when the game got out of hand.
0: I hear what you're saying, and I think they're all good points, but I, I think we're at the point where the Super Bowl is not – it's on a downward trend, I think, and it's being taken over by gaming. I mean, the, the, the biggest events now in the world are going to be people watching live gaming. That's it. It's, nothing's coming close to that anymore. The Super Bowl was the thing. Now it's not anymore. Now you, now you can go and you have. I think you've got three or four more instances of bigger events than the Super Bowl because of these, you know, online games and Twitch and multiplayer yeah, games. I
1: think that's, I mean, fragmented audiences, blah, 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 content marketing. Right. I, t- yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, um, and you're right. I'm just looking up the numbers now and it, it is, it has been on a downward trend since 2015, uh, being the high watermark. Um, at, you know, at 114 million in the audience. And this year was just under 100 million. So it's, you know, it's down 15%, five years. So that seems right to me with with simply explaining it with audience fragmentation. So I think that's,
0: I think that's where we're at. I mean, if, if you're, I mean, look at the NFL. I mean, the, NFL the NFL has not done They themselves. don't have anything to worry about. But that's right. I think long-term, that's right. In ten years, the Super Bowl is not going to be a top ten event that we watch. And when I say we, it's probably not me. It's probably other people. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Cause, yeah, because yeah. it's like yes. my 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 kids watch. We are not it our target market. But they're <laughs> right, not interested. Yeah. I mean, they want to play Valorant yeah. and they want to do things on Discord and Twitch. And it's true. So there, it's there true. You go.
1: It's true. It's true. All right. Let's move on to our next. Uh, marketing story if we can here and that is dun 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 Twitter announces their results and boy did they have some fun numbers to share with the Wall Street crowd Uh, and considers subscription fees. We're gonna pair this, by the way, with another story about Facebook uh, that is, uh, they're considering a Clubhouse competitor. So the first thing we'll cover is of course Twitter uh, and their results and their su- uh, subscription fee, um, which uh, we'll link to a Bloomberg article here. Uh, Twitter is building a subscription product as a way to ease its dependence on advertising. And the plan for the social network has considered for years and one that has taken on a heightened priority given the pandemic and pressure from activist investors to accelerate growth. The majority of Twitter's revenue comes from targeted advertising, which serves up promoted posts aimed at specific groups of users. That business has grown in recent years at a slower pace than competitors like Facebook and Snap, uh, which is Snapchat, of course. And Twitter's slice of the digital ad marketing globally remains at a lackluster 0.8%. Twitter, the thinking goes, would benefit from a separate revenue stream that isn't as reliant on brand advertising. The company's user base in the U.S. is its most valuable market, so it has started to plateau, meaning it can't rely simply on adding users to juice revenue. And so the article goes on and starts to talk about uh, the idea of them launching a subscription based product, which we can talk about in a second. So what say you, Mr. Polizzi, on their public results which were really good great results um yeah. result you know um and uh what uh, what's going on with the subscription part?
0: well i think the first thing you have to realize is that of the social media companies at least from a stock market perspective they, this twitter's been the worst i mean they're yeah. they're not that much more than what they when they came out with their initial public offering whereas you've had uh I mean Snap has made a great comeback from when you and I used to tease them a few years ago for being six bucks a share. Facebook, right. of course, has been amazing. Um so what what's Twitter? What's gone wrong? They just haven't been able to drive significant user growth. And then when they do drive some user growth, the revenue per user is down. So what there there's there's some interesting things going right on right now with Twitter. I think the first thing is if you so they're talking about a subscription fee for TweetDeck and some other things. That's great. I think the big the big idea that if they do it is going to be a windfall like you've never seen is if they start charging those people with a ton of followers access on a monthly basis whatever subscription. I think that's going to happen at some point. I don't know if it'll happen in the next year. I think it will definitely happen in the next 2 years. If you I mean some of these people they they their livelihoods are based on their Twitter followers of hundred thousand, a million, two million, whatever the case is. You don't think they would spend some bucks per month to keep that? They absolutely would. So I think right. you are going and,
1: to... guaranteed reach. Oh, and, and, guaranteed and guaranteed reach and guaranteed reach is a part of that.
0: Yeah. So you are right. you could see realistically if they roll this out correctly. Because by the way, if you don't have a lot of followers, it, it probably will main be free. It'll be free for you. That's great. You get up to 10,000, maybe you're spending 10 bucks a month or something like that. But then if you get up to you know 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, maybe you're spending 50 bucks. I think that if you talk to Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian probably would spend $10,000 a month to keep her. I don't know they don't know if they would charge her that, but it's not without I mean it's a possibility that that happens. Can you imagine the amount of revenue that will come through Twitter? I think it could make it cleaner as well. Um,
1: well, of course it could, yeah. right? Because you because you, if you're spending, let's say, ten thousand dollars a month to make make sure your hundred million users, uh, followers are actual people and not bots, and you know, and and are actually part of my audience, um, you know, and and are quote unquote certified. Uh, you know, not what the right word would be, but but basically, so that I can go to potential advertisers or potential sponsors of my quote unquote influence and say, I have a hundred million users of which Twitter has certified that, you know, 87 million of them are actually, uh, uh, you know, viable individual people. And I get segmented, you know, analytics and I get segmented, uh, audience reports about, you know, male, female and age and all the interest levels. And, you know, I get basically some good analytics. Of course, Absolutely. That gives you immense power to to start to... Now, there's some that are going to uh, not love that, right? No, because, yeah, of course. Of course. But, because it's not, but right? You know, because it's
0: not Facebook they, either. They've bought users yeah, or whatever, right? You're right, but it's not Facebook either. They don't need 3 billion users.
1: That's right. They,
0: That's if exactly they have right. a real tight 200 million users, they can do amazing things with it, which I'm very excited about. The like, If you were to say, right now, I need to invest in Facebook or Twitter, I'm Twitter- 99 times out of 100 because the potential for Twitter is there. Um, so, th- so put that aside for a second. I want to go to your second article in a second. But yeah. I don't know if you've seen this, but over the past couple days, Spaces, Twitter Spaces, which is basically their Clubhouse competitor, if you will, has been launching in beta, and there's a few people here and there that now have access to it. And from what I hear, Clubhouse is in real trouble with this. Uh, and at the same time, you uncovered the article about Facebook. So,
1: yeah, yeah, and that's what we'll we'll link to in the uh, in the show notes here, which is Facebook is reportedly working as this is a, from businessinsider.com, Which okay, consider your source there. But,
0: oh but, come know. on,
1: uh, <laughs> it's, it, but, yeah, it's, you're, it's it's not bad. You don't it's, like them? Yeah, it, oh okay. Well, it's you know, let's just say that Business Insider. Can be really great or can be like, what? Not a you, Henry can you, can, Blodgett
0: fan, are you?
1: Well, it's just that, you know, sometimes Business Insider can be like the New York Post of business news, right? Yeah, it, it's, it can you know, sometimes
0: it gets a little buzzfeedy, right?
1: So, yeah, that's I, right. Right now it's just that's saying. right. Okay, go ahead. That's right. Anyway, Facebook is reportedly working on a competitor to the buzzy new social app. Clubhouse. Uh, The article opens up by saying Facebook has a team working on a new project that aims to replicate the core functionality of the buzzy new social media app Clubhouse. Uh, The New York Times actually reported on Wednesday, the Facebook project is intended to create audio based chat rooms for users, the report said, but it's still In its early stages, the buzzy new social media app du jour Clubhouse quickly leapt from obscurity to notoriety in recent weeks as big names like Elon Musk and even Mark Zuckerberg himself joined the service and participated in live chats. Uh, The article goes on to talk a little bit about more about Clubhouse and what it is. But I think, yeah, I think to your point, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or interestingly. So here's my uh, confusion. I was actually talking with someone the other night about this and I'm like, why hasn't Zoom done this? Why hasn't we we were we we got into this conversation and I because somebody said to me, you know, totally innocently, a a non-technical person said to me, why isn't there like a directory of, you know, Zoom meetings that are happening right now, you know, on, you know, Butterfly chasing or, you know, Bitcoin or that you could totally join in on Zoom and just, you know, and, and just participate in either on video or not on video. And I'm like, that's a really good question. Why hasn't Zoom launched a consumer oriented product that isn't just online meetings, but is actually a way for you to gather audiences and, you know, sort of set up online chats about that are publicly available. And I think that's a so. If Twitter, if Facebook goes and does this, I think Clubhouse is in real trouble. Um, and then I think, you know, if Zoom does this, all of a sudden, well, now we're talking about video and audio. It's a, I think it's really it's really a, uh, you know, I, I think Clubhouse, you know, we'll see what happens. Right. I mean, but uh, but it's it's very interesting. Well, the one thing you're right, it, Facebook could have a Clubhouse killer.
0: I think Twitter could have. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, they already have their audiences there. The one thing that I would say about Clubhouse, and I like, I mean, you and I did, we did our uh, Future of Content Marketing with Mike Stelsner on Saturday. I think it went, well, we yeah. had like 500 people there. It Something was like great. The, yeah. I, we, you and I both love the Q&A aspect of it. What I love about it is they do have an interesting community of venture capital uh, people and entrepreneurs, marketing people. So they have a very particular audience. So that's one thing. The second thing is, this is all they do. They're just focused on that. And that is an advantage over Twitter and Facebook that are doing many, many different things. So you never know that Clubhouse could just say, since we're just doing this, we could... You know well, why didn't why didn't Zoom do their thing? Because Zoom's just trying to stay up and and online when all the pandemic stuff was going on. They had all kinds of issues, true, bandwidth, yeah, yeah. So they weren't yeah. able to think about it. Clubhouse can just think about this and focus on that. So if you're a let's I mean if you're a marketer, you really look to where your communities are at. If you've got a really good audience already built out on Twitter and you don't want to mess with. Uh, with clubhouse then maybe you just wait for twitter spaces to come out and you're good to go but if you're targeting you know if you're in the crypto world or the vc world or an entrepreneur or or on the marketing side you may say well clubhouse is worth an investment of time because you're still early if you get in now
1: so i don't know i well i think that's right but i you know the the when you look at it i mean if somebody may buy clubhouse too right i mean one of those two could could certainly come in and Purchase Clubhouse right away, very much like what happened with Vine, right? You know, Vine was independent or Instagram. for a while, and yeah, Instagram you know, or Instagram, too. right? Yeah. You know, so so it's very possible that one of the big boys comes in and 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 clobbers up, uh, you know, Clubhouse and uh, um. Well, that was a weird alliteration, but anyway. <laughs> so, that, um, but but I, you know, the one thing that it would have going for it, a Twitter or Facebook, is everybody's already on it. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, right now, Clubhouse is still, you know, looking to gather up all the iPhone users and hasn't even opened up to Android yet. So, you know, when that happens, there will be a flood of new people. And, you know, segmenting, you know, it's already, I mean, I am already hearing from friends uh, that that are using Clubhouse right now, the amount of notifications that you get you know about new rooms getting created and all of that is is crazy making. And of course you can turn it off, you know, you can turn off the notifications etc. but again it goes back to that thing we talked about last week because you follow content not people pretty much. In other words you're getting it's it, it's almost like you're getting notified of every everything your network is consuming. It it really 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 incentivizes you to have a small following unlike the others right unlike facebook or twitter that really encourages you to have a big following because you get a much more variety of content this really encourages you to have a small because you're seeing everything they consume it would be like your facebook feed not only including everything your friends created but everything they consumed as well and that's well plus you 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 have interests
0: too you can set your interests so they will show you Yeah, but that doesn't
1: work. I, that, does not, I, that has not worked for me. I, I don't know if it's worked for you, but it, I, I set my interest, and I'm still getting the same. I'm not. I haven't been on it enough to know. I mean, yeah. you know when
0: I go in there, all the first things I see are all the Bitcoin rooms. Right. Because so, the first time I was on, it was a Bitcoin clubhouse, and it seems since then they just keep wanting to throw me into another one. But right. I do follow but, some Bitcoiners too. So there you go. I don't know.
1: But by the way, people are going to abuse that as well, right? I mean, you know, let's just be clear. People are going to optimize their, they're going to, they're going to, you know, it's just like, remember the days of, of, you know, 9,000 hashtags on, on Instagram and, and uh, still in the case, in many cases, you know, on Twitter and, and, um, and, uh, 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 and Instagram where, you know, you'd see a post and then there'd be like, you know, four or five returns below the fold. And then like, you know, quite honestly, 50 or 60 hashtags trying to optimize themselves against search. Same thing's going to happen in clubhouse.
0: I've got to tell you though, what is interesting, if you go through the calendar of events and you see like, so if you, you set your interests, let's say your interests are working. You, you follow certain people. Let's say that's working. And then you go through your calendar of events. You're like, oh my God, this is a, uh, an event made just for me, but in audio, And what I've had a conversation with two event people this week about that model about could we launch a virtual event? Oh well,
1: that's a whole other thing. Yeah, Yeah. right. Could we
0: launch a virtual event that's exactly like Clubhouse, but we do it ourselves and you don't have a video; you're just in an audio room. And I know a lot of people that would like that experience. So it's it's going to happen. It will definitely is happening now, and we just don't know about it yet. So Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. All right. Let's move. Let's move on to our next okay. story here. Good. All right. All right. Um, well, it's and it's related. Um, it's almost like we do this on purpose, but it is related in terms of the future uh, resilience. Says the article that we'll link to in What's New in Publishing Really cool site, by the way, if you haven't discovered it yet. Um, the headline is "Future Resilience of the World's Media." lies in focusing on niche audiences, lessons from the all recipes success story. Uh, the article opens up by saying several industry insiders have predicted the rise of niche publications. <laughs> that, you, um, hmm, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, good Lord. Several. Um, uh,
0: yeah several yeah,
1: several several of those industry insiders have predicted this. Yeah, it's a it's a bold prediction. It's, it's it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for them. Um the era in which every news site covers more or less the same set of topics and stories is over, uh says P.F. Ray, journalist and co-founder of Opinet. Oh, Opinery? opinery. Op- op- I don't know. Anyway, the challenge is now differentiation and segmentation, the rise of the niche, if you will, the clearer the editorial profile of the particular niche, the higher the potential to reach and build a loyal and paying audience around it. The future resilience of the world's media lies in focusing on niche audiences and verticals. Its success lies in organizations that speak to very specific interests and the need for credible content. I'm shocked. Um, and, And then they go on, the article goes on to talk about all recipes with its 85 million user base who consume 3 billion pages annually, uh, being a great example when it comes to nurturing a niche audience. It started as a recipe sharing site in 1997 and has grown steadily to become the world's largest food website. The publisher has thoroughly been tightly focusing on serving its users well and quick to adapt to changing trends and technology. Starting in the early days of the internet, it reached close to a million users before social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter arrived. This initial growth was driven by email as the publisher made it easy for users to share recipes uh through the medium and then it goes on to talk about their diversified revenue streams its next stage in its evolution and it's basically a case study of of, of all recipes that would fit nicely into any one of our books um and and, has and has (laughs) has before yeah right um so uh, you know nice confirmation here but what do you think? I mean, it's, it's it's it really is starting to become mainstream to think about niche, isn't it?
0: Mainstream. I think you're right. I think the acquisitions are helping. Uh, if you look at, we've talked about last week, we talked about the hustle being acquired by HubSpot. Hub, uh, the hustle had a wonderful niche audience of, of entrepreneurs, 1.5 million. Purchase, spent whatever, $30 million for that. You had, uh, we talked about on this show, Penn National buying Barstool. Uh, we talked about Mailchimp buying Courier. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And you're this is really starting to move quickly. And you're seeing a lot of innovation in the media space. But when I say innovation, it's really the same things that we've been talking about for ten years. You focus on an audience niche, you focus on their wants and needs, you find out you know what's that differentiation point, and you pick a platform. And that's why I love the All Recipes case study because they just started as one thing. They were just doing these recipes. That's it. Now they do. 50 different things. They get revenue 20 different ways. And you you and I say that all recipes well everyone perceives that all recipes is a media company and of course it is, but all recipes just as easily could be a product company because they sell lots of products too. So That's right. you know it's you and I we talked about this in the book Killing Marketing is it you know the the convergence of media marketing and when we were talking about it in 2016 2017 it was just starting. Now we're smack dab in the middle of it. I mean, it is happening every day. You and I see a, uh, a story out there where, you know, is that a media company? Is that a market, a product and service company? And the answer is yes. The yeah. answer is yes.
1: And you're seeing – Food52 is another great example. Yeah. that They could have easily put Food52 in here as the uh, – or I think it's Food52, I should be clear. but um, Another great example. Um, yeah,
0: another – and there's a – yeah.
1: so the things that are happening in these communities are
0: fantastic because you have a user base – there's, a lot of these are membership driven groups. they're very devout and loyal and they end up buying pretty much anything that brand has to offer uh, which by the way, you and I mean if you' if you were going to launch a business, you probably would build a loyal audience first, right? It's just an easier way to go. it's a less risky model. So I, I just I get excited about this kind of stuff. you're seeing more and more of this happen and uh, you're going I, I would imagine every week for the for the rest of the year you and I are going to be talking about, some acquisition or some major launch by a company that follows this model.
1: Yeah, well, and the thing that excites me uh, about this is, you know, one of the things that you and I would find ourselves saying in workshops and you know on this podcast and it, it, you know at speeches and you know wherever we were is we would look out and ninety percent of the audience we would be speaking to work for products and services brands, right? And we would say, here's the secret gang. The key is, is that you as a product and service brand can focus on being you know, valuable to a niche audience. Whereas media companies really to monetize have to focus on a much broader audience because they have to get the eyeballs and to monetize via advertising. And in order to widen out their funnel as wide as they possibly can, they have to focus on a broad audience In order to bring in that audience to be able to be attractive to many different types of advertisers, because that's how you get to be a big media company. And we said, that's your advantage, right? In other words, you don't have to be about sports. You have to be about, you know, handball, right? You know, and so you can really go niche and. You used to use the line, which I love, right? It's like, if, you're, if your audience loves red staplers, you can focus in on what the best red stapler users and how to, you know what I mean? It's really that niche. This now is a media site, a, a site that's built for media companies and those that are strategizing for media strategies saying exactly the same thing, right? So this is media companies realizing, hey, Niche audiences are where it's at. We need to start thinking about micro brands and, and we need to start thinking about niche focused of audiences and segmenting our, you know, uh, our, our content into serving those niche audiences. One of the things that we'll talk about a little later is, is New York times uh, launching a, a thing for kids. Um, they're launching a new, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, obviously, but we'll, you know, this, this, This is the New York Times launching a new uh, email newsletter and content focused specifically at kids. And this is that in, you know, this is that strategy perfectly expressed which is a broad media company looking to build content platforms for niche, niche audiences. And so you're only going to see more of this. So it's, in other words, we got to get on it, right? We got, to, you know, if we're a brand or a, or a service company, eh, the opportunity is now let's start thinking about it. Well, that's,
0: you know, we've, we've used the Huffington post for a long time, but when you look at Huffington post, you think it's one media brand, but it's not, it's 400 niche brands within the brand. I don't think people realize this and it's the same thing. Like when you go in and you talk to your multi-billion dollar enterprise, they almost think for a second that they, you know, we only need one of these things. But generally, you know, as you build these things out, you're going to have 20, 40, 60 of these little programs, depending on the specific audience you're targeting. And you're going to target more and more (laughs) niches. That's why it's going to get more challenging. And that's honestly why it's much easier for, an independent operator to do this because they can just say, Oh, I'm going to focus on that little audience of, you know, that has a total addressable market of, you know, 500,000 people where an enterprise might, might ignore that for a long time. And then that's That's where you get into the
1: acquisition stuff. So, well, that's, and that's still, still our advantage, right? That we, it's the advantage is still ours because what we have that meet these media companies don't have that focus in on this niche audiences are, the monetization of products and services to go along that's with that's right
0: it. you're plug and play you, know, you can be right. plug and play if you want
1: to exactly yeah. and so we don't have to make money at it um, you know so if you're setting up a you know online school for a very niche you know uh, idea that supports your products and services or if you're setting up a magazine you know you can target that niche audience and it's you know nice if you can figure out a way to make money from it, but you don't have to. It's it's a marketing effort for you to sell more products and services, and so that that can be your advantage right now in moving quick um, to start to. Well, create- Well, that's
0: a great things. point. I mean, we talked about this last week with uh, HubSpot buying the Hustle. I think right. Uh, I think that what we this one stat was 009 percent conversion. If HubSpot got one that 009 percent conversion, they would pay for the program. You know.
1: Of yeah. just selling oh, that current easily. product. It's just crazy. Yeah, easily. Yeah. yeah. It's that math is really, really quite simple. All right, ladies and gentlemen, guess what time it is? It is now time for Rants and Raves, our Rants and Rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like, oh, Tom Brady and how he felt throwing the Lombardi Trophy off of his boat. Um, a little drunk on tequila. Um, or makes us feel like Patrick Mahomes running around. Uh, have you seen Have you seen the video that the kid made of imitating Patrick Mahomes during the Super Bowl? No, I did not. I've only <laughs> seen the getting, one where it's uh, really good. I
0: only saw the one where Brady was getting off the boat drunk. That's the only one. Yeah, saw.
1: he was. He was. He, he was buzzed. He had a good time. Let's just. Yeah, he had well a real served. good time. Yeah, very well-deserved. Very well-deserved. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, I think we each have raves today. Oh, unbelievable. So, um, we
0: rarely yeah, both have raves. People exactly. are going to get mad because we're not... You
1: know. Would you like to go first? Sure, or I'll go, I'll go first? first. Yeah, this okay. is... All right. I mean,
0: you mentioned the New York Times kids thing. This is just building on the New York Times model. Uh, they came out with financial results recently, and for the first time ever, their digital revenues are outpacing their print revenues, and it's just maybe one of the best turnarounds in history, if you think where the New York Times were at and what what they've, they've done. I'm going to link to this article from Digiday. It's the New York Times aims to convert newsletter readers into paid subscribers as the morning newsletter tops 1 billion opens. And there's a couple things in here. First of all, I don't know a lot of people realize this, the Times now has over 71 different newsletters. And I had the reason why I picked this article, Robert, is I had a conversation with a couple people about launching paid newsletters, and they were trying to talk me into the idea of you just launch a paid newsletter. And that is, in my opinion, one of the worst ideas ever, if you just want to launch one paid newsletter, if you don't have an audience. If you have no audience, it's very hard to get somebody to see. You have to give them a taste of something that's free first. And what the New York Times has done with their newsletters is amazing because they give away these newsletters for free. First of all, they're mostly single sponsored, so they're making money off the newsletters themselves. But then that's how they're getting people sign up to for digital subscriptions, which are generally, let's say, a digital subscription costs $8 a month in the first year, and then $17 a month the second year. So it is unbelievable what they've been able to do. Um, 150% increase over 2019. They... I love a couple things of what they're doing and this is where I think we can learn a little bit from what they're doing from a marketing standpoint. If you build a niche newsletter to a targeted audience, you can do these pop-up newsletters and I think what the Times, I don't know if you saw some of the ones the Times did Robert, but they did the coronavirus briefing newsletter, the schools briefing, impeachment briefing. So they every when they felt there was an issue that would last you know, let's say six months or more that was really important. They would launch a newsletter around it. That in this case last year had 180 million opens, and those were just just pop up, just startup newsletters, which you can diversify really well once you have a base of newsletters. And by the way, BuzzFeed, same model, Huffington Post, same model. Everyone's launching this newsletter thing first, diversify through other things like your uh, your podcasts and whatnot, and then. You see a lot of new revenue opportunities from those things, and I'm just, I'm just amazed by the turnaround of a company like New York Times and the media in general, and what they've been able to do. So big, and then you know, I've been a big fan of the New York Times for a long time, but to see them just kick butt from right. a media operation standpoint by just focusing simply on niche newsletters, which is what we were talking about before, is unbelievable to me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what excites me about this, um, you know, when you when you sent this over and, and we talked a little bit about it in the, in the pre-show, something we talked about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago on the show, we talked about this idea of podcasting and how, uh, you know, one of the tactics in a podcast was to say, you know, if you're creating a serial that's like seven episodes or eight episodes or 10 episodes and sending that out, and then what you do is you sort of start to double publish, right, for your next series, right? So you double publish to your old feed as you publish to the new feed to say, to get those audiences to come over, or quite frankly, just change topics altogether. Yeah, just keep it on the same feed, yeah. That's right, just keep it on the same feed. This is kind of the email newsletter version of that, which I loved, right? Which is, you could have an email newsletter that's only meant to be you know, temporal, right? In other words, it's, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be 12 episodes or eight episodes or whatever. And then how you choose to transition that audience to either to a new uh, newsletter or just switch gears altogether is really quite cool. It's really quite a cool idea. And so I think there's a lot of things to explore, you know, you know, there's not a lot of innovation in email, and I think this is one of them, right? This is this is this is one where you could really start to think about how you innovate your email newsletter to be more episodic rather than sort of just like the news, right? You know, so that, that you know, talking about niche audiences, this is exactly. Isn't that. It
0: weird though? I mean, you and I have been talking about the power of the email newsletter for ten years or more, and yeah. it now it's now it's everywhere. You got right. Substack, and you got. Review, which was bought by Twitter and everyone's launching an email newsletter and now it just seems almost overdone. So it we, just, crowded yeah, really we just quickly. have to go
1: back. Yeah, we just have to not get lost in the form, right? That's right. You know, we just have to get, you know, it's not just because it comes over email doesn't mean it has to be a newsletter. It's just a, it's just a delivery mechanism like podcasting or like, you know, video on demand or like, you know, search or whatever. It's just a medium to deliver information. And so. If you want to make a newsletter, but make it 12 episodes and have an arc and, you know, all of that, you can do that. It's, it's, that's, that's using the platform for what it's really meant for, rather than just assuming it has to be in the form of news because Mm -hmm. it's an email, right? It's
0: remember uh, real quick before you go to yours, remember when we were on the clubhouse call and they were talking about, because I was pumping up email, obviously, and somebody asked the question, well, you know, that. Young kids aren't going to do that and they're not on email. And what about SMS and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get a chance to say this, but what I had written down was if I'm that, surprised,
1: well, I'm so shocked. <laughs> I'm mean, not anyway. Inside joke, Ex- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if,
0: if, uh, if let's say you follow Mr. Beast, right? Yeah, who just opened his burger chain and Mr. Beast started an e newsletter, I guarantee yeah. you people would follow would subscribe to that thing right? It doesn't, it, depending on what it is and what he's saying. So it's funny because I even talked to my son about that, who follows certain people on Minecraft and, and then certain gamers. And he said, I'm not, I don't use my email, but he's using his email more and more now. And I said, well, if so-and-so started email newsletter, would you subscribe? He said, yep. Yeah. So, okay. You know, it's, and you got to remember just because they're 16 17 18 19 and not an email now doesn't mean in 3 years they're not going to be like on email like every one of us. Fair
1: point. Yeah, it's a fair point. Because when you, I was could, 16 they, 17
0: yeah. 18 well, email was just coming out, but
1: well, it's useless for them now for the yeah. most part, right? So that's the thing. If if you can make the medium useful, then that's, they'll that's they'll good. block back to it. That look just the, there is no better example of that than vinyl, right? So vinyl was a useless medium for a long time. And then all of a sudden somebody went, Hey, it's kind of cool to listen to music on vinyl again. And all of a sudden it's the newest, coolest thing. Right. So email might be the vinyl of business communications. uh,
0: my, My son who's 19. That's all he listens to is vinyl.
1: Yeah. Crazy. All right. Well, here's my rave. Um, so first of all, once again, uh, hats off to my friends and colleagues at Salesforce um, you know so full disclosure I've done quite a bit of work with them on uh, content content strategy content marketing over the course of the last two years um, but they're just they, they just continual and in, in, in no part due to me to be clear um, the, the people that they have there are just absolutely unbelievably talented um and they're just crushing it when it comes to content thought leadership strategy and the way they're doing content and and this is another example of that so the headline now full disclosure i'm going to link to a digiday article which you got to be a paid subscriber to see um you can google around if you want and try and find another version of it well clear clear your
0: cookies clear there you go clear your cash and then you're fine yeah, isn't that terrible? Um, We're giving. I'm sorry, Digiday, but
1: yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> the headline is basically uh, how. I'm, but I'm going to tell you the story, so, okay. so you'll at least have that. Um, how the Atlantic's Black History Project turned into a seven-figure deal with Salesforce, and so the Atlantic, a media company, uh, the article opens up, is setting out on an 18-month journey to uncover Black history in America with the initial sponsor, Salesforce, willing to support it with a seven-figure deal, uh, which means at least a million dollars or more. Uh, The partnership is coming to fruition at the same time that the advertising world had renewed its interest in supporting black stories, thanks, of course, to the Black Lives Matter movement last summer and right now during Black History Month, being February, of course. Uh, The package, called Inheritance, uh, went live on the publisher's website on Tuesday, featuring a series of essays and stories categorized in chapters to help organize the centuries' worth of content that they're uncovering. The first chapter, as an example, is titled The Stories We Tell Ourselves and covers how black history is presented in school with an essay by the Atlantic staff writer Clint Smith and a poem by American poet Joy Priest. The article then goes on to describe sort of the rationale behind this uh, and what I wanted to call attention to was Salesforce is not only just funding this um, in terms of sponsorship, but they're also getting involved with the technology. One of the things that they want to do is create a database of research um, from this project um, and basically give it a user-facing interface, in other words, a a way to go search and retrieve and have uh, access to all this research that they're doing for this incredible project. And Salesforce is going to donate and, and support with, I'm sure, the technology, the implementation of this technology as well. So it's not just putting money there, but it's also supporting it and demonstrating the value of the technology by actually empowering it as well. And I just think it's brilliant. I just think it's a brilliant marketing move. I think it's a brilliant brand move. I think it's, you know, with Salesforce and their, their latest, tr- you know, one of the challenges, which they would be the first to tell you, is nobody really understands what face- Salesforce does. Like if you say Salesforce to people, they, they know the name, but they don't really know what the company does. And this is such a perfect way to demonstrate what they do uh, in terms of, you know, providing usefulness, uh, and to something that's really a very cool project. So I love it from a brand. I love it from a marketing perspective. I love it from a content marketing perspective. I love it from a media perspective. It's just a fantastic, fantastic project. And I can't wait to watch it sort of unfold over the coming year.
0: Excellent. I love this story. And, uh, but I didn't realize that People were unclear what Salesforce did. I thought yeah, that they were just a Yeah, CRM, they've had a real challenge.
1: Yeah. CRM, they've, they've had automatically, a real
0: challenge. But, but they have purchased quite a few things over the past many years. The, so. Yes.
1: And CRM is one piece of what one they do. One small right? piece. Yeah. Yeah. One very small CRA piece. CRA
0: and do. CRB and CRC. I'm sorry. Okay.
1: Yeah. And SFA and. <laughs> you
0: know, All right. Floor buddy. wax
1: and a dessert topping. Um, I am uh, heads down right now. Um we are we are busy 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 um with client work getting ready for some talks and workshops and uh trying to get CMI University all wrapped up uh and uh this podcast so it's it's a busy february for me so uh all good i'm feeling blessed i have to say very very good and you uh,
0: yeah i mean you know I, I mean a lot of people already know i'm i'm sort of starting a new new business. Uh, probably in March, I'll talk more about it on the podcast as we get settled and actually have a website and those types of things. But, you know, I've got that going on and I've got, uh, I've got the book coming out in May and still working on that. And I think I'm through half through all the edits, which is, it's going to be glorious when it's done. Cause you and I both know that the, <laughs> the process of going through book editorial is <laughs> yes. painful. Nobody, you never want to see the,
1: you, no, you, you, you really you, don't
0: I love our editors, but I hate seeing all the changes, but yeah, so I'm working on that and, uh, and then just trying to stay warm because it is freezing cold here in Cleveland,
1: Ohio. Yes. my the, the editor of our first book, I'll never forget when the editor sent me the edits to the book when we had turned it in, and she said to me, she, she basically she, she sent two files. And in her email to me, she said, I'm sending you two files. One has the red lines. She said, the other is with all the red lines accepted." You should probably open the second one. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to see this, right? It's tragic. I said, "Thank you very much. I will do exactly that." I opened up the second one, and I was a much happier camper. Yeah. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for episode number two hundred and fifty-eight. We are signing off. If you want to get all the goodness, and you do. Really want to get all the goodness. Let's be honest. You want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes, dive into any of the other 257 episodes, well, just head on over to our shiny new website at thisoldmarketing.site. We want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our This Old Marketing dot site. And if you need your own dot site, you should go there and get that. Uh, And until we meet again, just remember, everybody, it's your story. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.